You're listening to the Higher Ideas Podcast, where ideas grow. Connect on higherideas.net. Now here's your host, I. Today's episode is dedicated to Bro Dude Man, one of my Patreon supporters. All Patreon supporters have the right to request an episode topic of their choosing. And well, out of the supporters I've got so far on Patreon, he stands as the only one that bothered to do that. So here's your episode, bro dude man. I sure hope you appreciate it. Hello, fellow human, and welcome back to the Higher Ideas Podcast. As you will probably hear from the little chirping baby chickens and random nature sounds behind me as I record this, I am out at Ayahuasca Camp right now in the beautiful Amazon jungle here by the river, in the evening sun. I'm here for two weeks this time around, not for myself, but to assist someone going through a two-week dieta. And well, I thought we'd get into a Dream Talk episode, because when you're out here on this property, I've always noticed that I dream like crazy when I'm out here. I don't know what it is about the city, I don't know if it's all the daily noise, or who knows, maybe it's radio frequencies, or just the lifestyle, I don't know what. But in the city, I don't tend to dream as much as I do when I come out here, and it seems like when I come out here, my brain is almost making up for lost time with the amount of clear and wacky dreams I I get to process all day after sleeping. And sure enough, it's been happening just like every time. Uh, I've had a whole bunch of weird ones so far. And well, that got me thinking about dreams again. So let's do this, Dream Talk 3. And the aspect of dreams I want to talk about today is psychic dreams. Yes, psychic dreams. This is a thing that happens, and in a sense, this episode will be somewhat related to uh, that episode I did a while ago called Psychedelics and Psychicness, because in that old episode, I did specifically talk about a psychic dream event, but this was right after taking a psychedelic. In this case, I want to talk about dreams that just happen out of the blue that are somehow or another psychic. Now, there are two ways in which these examples I'll talk about today, these experiences I'll share, two ways in which these are psychic. Either telling the future precisely, so in that case, premonition dreams, and the other case would be dreams where there's some kind of interconnection between people in dreams. As I mentioned in that old episode about psychedelics and psychicness, that was an example about two people meeting in a dream. And I've got a little bit of both to share today. So let's get into it. And I guess I'll start with a personal story, as I often do share here. All kinds of crazy experiences have happened to me here and there in life. A lot of it happened while I was a teenager. That was definitely a time of very concentrated, strange activity for me. And well, it was in that period of strange activity that I first saw in my own life, in my own self, in my own experience, that psychic dreams do happen. And this was a premonition. It was just a standard dream, such a boring, short little dream, it was almost forgettable. And in fact, I had forgotten it right after it happened. 
The dream was this. I was in high school at the time, and in this dream, I was in science class in the high school I attended. There was nothing weird or dreamlike about this dream. It was just a very real, very pedestrian sort of moment where I was sitting in science class, looking at the teacher up at the board, and a bell goes off. A bell that sounds like the end of school bell, the recess bell, the, the break time bell. So, you know, one of those big old fire alarm type ringing bells. And that sort of shocked me because the sense I had in that moment in the dream was, huh, is it time to go already? And so I look up to the clock over the door and it's something like 3.15, right? A very specific hour. And as I look at the clock, I realize that the bell is going on and on and on and on, right? It's just ringing and ringing and ringing like, a, like an alarm. And I wake up out of that dream. So it was just the shortest, most boring little dream right before waking up. And sure enough, when I woke up in bed, I looked at the clock and it was just about time to start waking up and head to school. So I forgot about that dream. Why would I remember it, right? And I go about my day. I wake up, I go to school, and I do my whole school day. And my day was going very normally until the very last class of the day, which was science class. I was sitting in the classroom, listening to the teacher, and a bell went off. And it shocked me a little bit because it was too soon for the end of school bell. So I look up at the clock over the door. It's 3.15. As I vaguely recall, 3.30 was about when class would end and school would end for the day. So it was 15 minutes early for the end of school bell. And as I'm looking up at the clock, the bell keeps going and going and going. And it becomes clear that this is a fire drill. And this was such a weird moment because I realized this was exactly what I had dreamt about, down to the finest little detail. I'm talking about the teacher was exactly where she was standing in my dream. I was in science class. The bell did ring. I did look at the clock just as in that dream. I reacted just the same. And it was the same time. And the bell did go on. And it was a fire drill. So I was just completely bewildered in this moment realizing also that I was sitting at the exact same desk as in the dream. And this was interesting because in the school I attended, there were no assigned desks, right? You walked into a classroom, took whatever desk was open at the moment of entering, whichever one you felt like taking. And it just so happens, without thinking at all about this dream, in science class, I had taken exactly the same desk looking at the teacher at the same angle as I was in that dream, and the exact same event played out. And fire drills happened about once a year in the school, right? So what were the odds that I would dream about a sustained bell at 3.15 in this classroom, sitting at that same desk, exactly the same way it played out that day? That was freaky. That really freaked me out. But it also showed me that sometimes... For whatever reason, even though this is actually the only time that kind of precise premonition dream happened to me in my life, still, that one event showed me that this is something that happens. I mean, undeniably, right? How many layers of coincidence had to be in place there 
before I accepted that this wasn't just a fluke. This was some kind of weird, weird twist of reality where I seemed to dream about this event the night before it happened, the morning before it happened, and it all played out exactly the same. So that was a creepy little moment for me. But in retrospect, quite interesting, right? As I say, this at least put on my radar for the first time in a way I couldn't ignore that this is something that's part of dreaming. It can happen. And really, that was just a curiosity that uh, I sort of logged in the back of my mind continuing through life. But eventually, I ended up here at this ayahuasca camp, studying this ayahuasca medicine, these psychedelic, spiritual, magical practices under Maestro Orlando here, my, my ayahuasca sensei, as it were. And as I got to know him over the years, little by little, he would reveal in conversations here and there how important dreams are to him. And coming into this whole practice of ayahuasca shamanism and whatnot, I had never expected uh, someone like him to be at all interested in dreams. But it seems to me that dreams are an extremely important source of information for someone like Maestro Orlando. And well, he himself has directly told me in the past that he will read the future in his dreams. He uses them not only as a moment of communication between himself and spirit in the same way that a moment of psychedelic ayahuasca ceremony is a moment of communication between him and spirit. Dream is just the same to him. And I've seen myself as I progress on this path, following in his footsteps, trying to learn to be the same kind of person that he is. I've seen in myself that as I progress on this path with these medicines, my dream lucidity is increasing. Slowly but surely, over just the couple of years I've been here working, um, I have so many more moments of clear dreams, such long marathon events of dreams, and four, five, six of them per night sometimes, and waking up with perfect memory of the whole thing. And sometimes, in, in these medicinal processes that we do, the dietas, sometimes I've had dreams that are so clear and so real while I'm in them, that I'm certain it's reality. Not just in that swimmy sort of dream confusion state where you'll buy anything happening, but I'm talking about so lucid in your dream that when something weird and dreamlike happens, I would be legitimately concerned that something impossible just happens. So just a random example of what I'm talking about here. Just this year, I had a dream where I was going up a long, long set of stairs, climbing up the side of some kind of tall hill up to a house way at the top. It's just a sunny day outside, climbing these outside stairs with Maestro Orlando in front of me and Maestro's son behind me. And we're sort of joking around, having a good time. As I said, I believe this is a real moment in that dream. And at a certain moment in this dream, I turn around to address Maestro's son, who was just speaking to me a second before, and he's gone. And there's nothing but a long line of empty stairs behind me, nowhere for him to go. And I was legitimately really concerned in that moment, because I was so certain this was reality, and what had just happened was impossible. Where the hell is your son? What the hell? Where did he go? He was just talking to me. 
I turn back around to address Maestro Orlando. Maestro Orlando's gone. I'm alone. I was really freaking out in that moment, thinking what the hell is happening to reality, right? Not at all aware that I'm in a dream, because it was just so real and so clear, and I was so lucid and awake in that dream. But, uh, you know, that's just to say, that's a kind of experience, that's the kind of growth in lucidity that I've been seeing myself along this path. And if I extrapolate that forward, that progression of clarity, of memory, of being awake and really present in your dreams, if I extrapolate that forward decades ahead, right, if I keep doing this for decades, as Maestro Orlando has been doing for pretty much his whole life, since the age of 13, he's now 50-something, I could imagine that that's how he became this lucid. And in fact, he's told me, very clearly and plainly, that he never goes unconscious. At the point he is now, he goes to sleep fully awake into every dream he has, every night, the entire span of dreams. He remembers, he's awake, he knows he's dreaming, and he's got this lucid control, right? This ability to record and pay attention to everything and then wake up and hold on to the memory of that. And so when I put together the fact that I once had a very clear premonition of the future, when I put that together with his claim that he's constantly having very clear premonitions about the future, so much so that he will make decisions in his life based on these dreams, these clear premonitions. Uh, he will prepare for upcoming events, he will change the course of events in his life to avoid certain warnings that may come to him in a dream, things like that. It really doesn't seem unusual to me that there is really something to it. I mean, most of us forget most of our dreams, the vast majority of our dreams. Uh, science has shown that we're dreaming like crazy every night, just hundreds and hundreds of dreams all night long. But for whatever reason, we tend to delete or forget most of them, probably because we're just so dream drunk, right? We go into the sleep state so, you know, unconsciously. And there are practices out there, not just ayahuasca, there's all sorts of lucid dreaming training that probably helps to come back with more memories of that place. But when I think of someone like Maestro Orlando, who comes back with complete memory of all of it, I definitely put stock in what he says, that he does read the future, because he must have seen, through being so aware through so many nights, for so many years, every single dream he has, he must have identified clearly that this happens, right? I just happened to remember one premonition event in my teenage life, probably randomly, right? We probably all have these all the time, but forget them in the jumble. But being so aware and so lucid, he's probably come to identify the pattern to the point where he relies on it where he really reads it like a newspaper, right? Tomorrow's news, before the day comes. So that's all to say that there really does seem to be something to this. There really seems to be some kind of access to some kind of future information available in this mysterious process of dream. And that just raises a whole bunch of questions for me about the nature of time. For example, is the future undetermined? Or is it set in stone? 
it definitely seems to suggest that the future is already written if you're able to dream precisely about the future before it comes, as I did as a teenager, right? So does that mean that there is no randomness to any day, that everything is already determined, and we're just sort of experiencing a book that's already written, wherein these moments of psychicness and dream is a moment of taking a peek at the next page, right? Or, I suppose it could also be that you have access to some kind of information, some kind of network that is aware of all factors everywhere in the universe, maybe, or at least on this planet, right? And maybe by having access to that sort of level of information about where everybody is, what everybody's thinking, what everyone's planning, what everyone's up to, maybe it's possible to just assume the trajectory a little ways ahead, right? Something like watching, you know, a ball being thrown through the air. By seeing it fly through the air for a little while, you could kind of guess where it's going to land, right? Even though it's not written in stone, something can still come around and interrupt it. But if it goes on uninterrupted, it will land more or less where you predict, right? So it could be that. And that is the one I prefer. Because I don't like to think about the world as being all written in stone from beginning to end. I mean, that removes any reason for consciousness, for choice, right? So I do think it's more of the second option. That you have access to a vast sea of interconnected information in this dream state. And by having all of these angles, all of these trajectories available to you, it's possible to sort of see where things are heading to the point where you might be able to predict the future, right? Who knows exactly how it works? But to me, it's fascinating enough to know for sure, myself, that it can happen, it does happen. It is something swimming around in this jumble of things called dreams. And actually, just now, another example comes to mind. We had somebody come through this camp who was a very lucid dreamer uh, a couple years ago. And I'm remembering she told me that a week before 9-11, she'd had a dream, a very clear dream, of the World Trade Centers on fire and people jumping out the windows to escape. Pretty gruesome, right? And she had told her friends about it. Uh, of course, because it's such a shocking kind of dream, right? And wouldn't you know it, a week later, within the next week, she says, it happened. So, just another anecdote there. It does seem to be a thing that happens, especially for people who are very lucid and able to remember dreams. Um, but as I said, I suspect we all can do this. We all see this during the night, but for whatever reason, it's erased for most of us. This does more or less cover the list of examples I can think about uh, where specific future scenes are seen by people. But there it is, as I said, something that happens. As mysterious as it is, there it is. But let's move on now to some more stories I've got, which are more in the line of people crossing in dreams, some way or another. Cross-communication between people in dreams. And well, I'll keep things right here at camp for now, with a story that happened in my previous dieta just about a month and a half ago. I was here doing a dieta, 
And as I mentioned, in Dieta at this camp, you tend to lucid dream like crazy. And I was having a whole bunch of dreams in my last Dieta in which I was a freaking superhero. There were constantly themes happening in my dreams of being beset by attackers of various different kinds, something like ninjas coming out of the forest all of a sudden and having to defend myself. And I was destroying those ninjas. I remember there was a scene where where I was escaping some kind of house where there was uh, a cult doing some kind of sacrifice, raising zombies in there. I escaped that home after fighting through a bunch of zombies and cultists. And I get out into the street and the police are out there now chasing me down these sort of um, London streets at night kind of sort of uh, environment. And they were sending wild bears after me, you know, instead of dogs. And I was facing down those bears, facing down those cops, and shredding them down with a sword. I was absolutely unstoppable. I was flying over rooftops. Wow, it was quite fun, to be honest. Quite an empowering series of dreams. But in any case, one of these nights, I was having one of those kinds of dreams. And this one was in a sort of Harry Potter kind of universe. I was some kind of wizard in training, right? Not so much a young student, maybe something more like a, like a TA in the Harry Potter world, right? Someone uh, pretty skilled, but not yet a big leader, but with a lot of potential, right? That was the kind of level I was at in this world. And we were all sitting me and two others of my kind, we were sitting at a table across from three master wizards of some sort, really powerful, really influential decision makers of that world. And we were deliberating, or they were deliberating with us, over this simple leather suede glove that was sitting on the table between us. And the conversation basically was about how this glove was the most powerful item known to wizardry, right? And nobody dared touch it. It was almost like the ring from Lord of the Rings, right? And these great elders were deliberating on what we should do with this item. Should anyone be entrusted with it? How do we protect it from the bad guys getting their hands on it, right? So we're having this meeting in this sort of open courtyard at the front of this castle complex. And all of a sudden, through the main gate, over the walls, comes an attack by an organized group of bad wizards trying to get this glove. So we go from calmly sitting around this table to all of a sudden scattering in all directions, dodging, you know, spells or bolts or whatever the hell's going on. I dive under the table while everyone else scatters in all directions. And well, I was quick enough to disappear under this table and no one saw me. And so the battle sort of spilled in all directions into the castle and uh, soon enough, I was left alone, more or less, in this courtyard. And I decided to escape. Not very heroic, but that was my reaction at the time. I better get out of here, right? And somehow or another, climbing over walls, I end up finding my way on the roof of a little tower of some sort. And I'm standing on the corner of this roof, looking up into the sky, thinking, how the hell do I get out of here? But before I can even make a plan, the roof breaks under the weight of me, and I fall into the room below. And I happen to fall right on my butt, sitting in the middle of a long sofa between two enemies, two of these bad guys attacking, who were sitting on the sofa at either side of me. 
And I guess there were trainees such as myself because I quickly, you know, in their surprise, was able to take them down, stun them or zap them or whatever the hell I was doing. I had a wand, right? So bam, bam, I take them both down. But with them in this room, standing in front of me, there was some kind of elder bad guy. And this was some kind of fat old witch. And I try to take her down too when I see her there, but she deflects whatever the hell I sent her way, and she sends something my way, and I deflect, and I realize, wow, she means business, right? I better get the hell out of here. She's probably stronger than me. So the only idea I can come up with is to point my wands to the floor and have it erupt with fire, some kind of spell I knew that just blasts fire like the bottom of a rocket, right? And sure enough, like a rocket, I take off into the air, through the hole I just fell through, up through the roof, up into the sky, and I watch the castle shrink behind me as I fly higher and higher and higher into the night with this flame trailing behind me. And as I look behind me, I see that the witch is following me in the exact same way. I see her come out of the roof hole with fire blasting behind her, and she's got her eyes locked on me with this look that says, I'm gonna get you, you little shit you know and she's coming right after me and so I just keep blasting my flame higher and higher and higher we go and she chases me on and on higher we go together and we went so high into the sky that we ended up at the edge of outer space and I knew I couldn't keep going straight up anymore because the air was gonna run out in this dream logic right so we start sort of arcing sideways at the very edge of the breathable atmosphere at the edge of outer space we're chasing each other now sideways over the land below and I realize I'm gonna run out of juice I can feel it in my bones or just my knowledge of magic right I know I'm not gonna be able to keep this up forever what the hell am I gonna do she's gonna catch up and she's gonna kill me so I come up with this plan I realize I'm at the edge of outer space and if I sort of cut my engine stop the flame I should be able to keep drifting in an orbit like a satellite right infinitely I don't need fuel anymore we're up at the edge of outer space right so I do that I cut my flame and I look behind me and that witch is still coming after me burning with hate and fury and I realize she's gonna run out of fuel and she's catching up and catching up and catching up now but right before she reaches me I see the flame behind her sputter out and I guess because she was so much heavier than me or whatever her trajectory arcs down towards the earth and she goes screaming down with gravity ah! you know disappears below to die I suppose and then I cut my engine back on and with my flame direct myself down towards the earth to make a controlled landing far away from wherever the hell she fell and that was my dream, right? Quite a dramatic, uh, exciting kind of dream. And that was really the last dream I'd had that night. It definitely stood as the most interesting that night. And when I woke up that morning, I was looking forward to telling Maestro Orlando all about it. So, sure enough, eventually Maestro Orlando comes around to my spot, and we're having that daily how's it going conversation. I'm waiting for my opening to tell him about my dreams. I open by saying, wow, I had a hell of a dream last night. And he sort of cuts me off and says, ah, oh, yeah, me too. I had some crazy dreams. And I ask him, 
what'd you dream about? And he says, well, you know, a whole bunch of stuff like always, but there was this one moment, he says, I was laying in a bed from which I could see the open sky, and I looked up into the sky, and way up, almost in outer space, I could see people flying. <laughs> and he says, in the dream, he got all excited, saying, look, look, there's people in outer space, there's people flying, right? It was, uh, it was like thrilling to him, it was, it was weird to him. But he says there was someone else there who he couldn't see next to his bed. Someone who put their hand on his chest and held him down on the bed and said, no, 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 shh, 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 just watch, just watch. And so he just watched until it passed. <laughs> and here he was that morning telling me that before I even had a moment to start telling him that I just had a dream in which I was being chased at the edge of outer space through the sky by some kind of witch. You know what I'm saying? So it definitely seems from the way this all played out that I was flying through the same world Maestro Orlando was in. We were sharing the same kind of dream. He was in a bed way down below on Earth and we were passing overhead. It does seem to match up, right? As far as I'm concerned, that was me and the witch, and Maestro Orlando happened to witness it, and Spirit was there beside him, just holding him down, saying, no, 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 just watch, probably knowing that the next morning he would tell me about it and confirm to me that I had been witnessed by Maestro Orlando, whether he knew it or not. In any case, curiosity, right? Quite a curious moment. Just these little pings that keep happening throughout life showing me that there is an interconnectivity in dreams. We are all connected in that place. Psychicness between minds is definitely possible because we all come from the same place. Our minds all beam from the same source. So it's not that crazy to me to think that we have access to each other's dreams, to shared dreaming, to mental communication, right? Uh, but through the normal structure of reality, there are barriers in place, there are separations in place, and there's censorship in place in the um, form of forgotten dreams, right? For all we know, we're constantly visiting friends and family and having adventures together in dreams, which we would be able to compare the next day and say, oh my god, I had that dream too, I was there too, holy crap, we had that dream together, right? But because we forget like 90% of it, we're never able to make that connection. So these are the fun little moments that can happen with someone like Maestro Orlando, who is 100% lucid. He was able to witness part of my dream flying over his head, you know? Ah, fellow human, yet another little event of dream psychicness that completely slipped my mind as I was recording this episode. And this one's actually pretty damn recent. I do believe it happened this very year. A couple months ago, I was at the end of a dieta, which always leaves you for a couple of weeks that follow, leave you in a more connected place. I was having very clear dreams. Uh, I was enjoying that every night. And this one night, hadn't spoken to Maestro Orlando for a week and a half, something like that. 
I had no idea what was going on at his end. I was just doing my life after seeing him for a couple of weeks straight. And well, I'm sleeping one night. In my sleep, I suddenly get startled by the voice of Maestro. As I've heard him a million times call for me, either in ceremony or waking me up in the middle of the day as I'm napping to come down and do something he needs me to do, whatever it may be, right? So many times I've heard him call my name in this specific way of his that means I, I need something, I need something of you, right? Wake up, come on. And there in the middle of the dream state, I suddenly hear that. And it was so real, it was so clear, it was so just right in my ear that I woke up in my bed. And I woke up saying, maestro, you know, just what do you need, right? I, I've had this moment a million times before in reality when you call me, right? It's up and at him, right? What, what's up? And that's how I reacted. I started out of sleep sort of asking, what do you need? But of course, I was in my room by myself in the middle of the night. And so I think, wow, that was so weird and so clear for it to wake me up like that. I look at my phone, which is on silent mode under my bed, and it's 4 a.m., pretty much on the dot. And I think, should I call him? I mean, that was a really weirdly clear moment of him calling for me. Should I just call him and ask, hey, by chance, do you need something? Is there a problem? But it's 4 a.m., right? I'm drowsy. So I think, whatever the hell, I'll call him tomorrow and ask if everything's cool. I throw my phone back under my bed, and I fall back to sleep, and I finish my sleep. So the next morning, around 7 a.m. or so, I wake up, I get to my morning routine, which the first thing, of course, is grab my phone under my bed and see if I've got anything waiting for me there. And sure enough, I spot that I've got a WhatsApp notification. And it's a message from Maestro saying, hey, I need you to come into camp tomorrow ASAP, as early as you can. We've got a client over here who uh, I need you to come over and talk to. There's a situation. And the timestamp on that message was 4.15 a.m. Yeah. So I phone up my store to confirm, yes, I'll be on my way. And I tell him, this is crazy, but at 4 a.m., I heard you call my name, and it woke me up. And not 15 minutes later, you wrote me. And he told me, well, 4 a.m. was pretty much when he had decided that I needed to come over. And uh, he was dealing with the situation with the client in that moment. But 15 minutes later, he had a moment to get on his phone and write me and say, I need you to come over. So it would seem, I mean, how else can I interpret this? Except to have received his thoughts that he needed me to come in the next morning, that he was going to have to call me, that he was going to have to get in touch with me and need me for something. At the very moment that that was happening, in my sleep, I heard him call to me in a way that was so real it woke me up. And uh, with a sense, as I described, I had that sense that maybe there's something he needs, maybe I should check on this, just gave up on it, right? Sure enough, I would have surprised him. Right? If I had called him on that whim before he even got to write me, 
imagine how impressive that would have been for him. Uh, for me to call him saying, do you need me? I got a sense of something, right? But to someone like Maestro Orlando, this is just... What? Yeah, okay, Maestro. Okay, ciao. There he is. Anyways, to someone like him, these kinds of psychic communications are just a matter of fact, right? So, um, take that as you will. It did happen. It does happen. Ah, but now, let's take this away from me, from Ayahuasca, from Camp, from Maestro Orlando. There are other stories I can share, other examples of uh, this kind of communication, psychicness in dreams. Now, these next two stories are somewhat gruesome, somewhat dark. But these are things that have happened and uh, are relevant to this discussion. So the next story I'll share here comes from my father. My father says that many years ago, while I was a child and, you know, they were raising us up, he was sleeping one night and had a dream about his great aunt. And a lot of us aren't very connected to our great aunts, right? But my father seemed to have some kind of close connection to this great aunt. She had a liking to him and he was more, you know, in contact with her than you typically would be with someone like that. But for whatever reason, this night, a dream of her came to him. And it wasn't so much an image, it was a feeling. As he slept, his dreams were interrupted with the feeling of this great aunt of his in a panic, in desperation, reaching for him, calling to him for help with a strong emotion of panic, of dread, of help me, help me, help me, right? And he received this, he was feeling this, thinking of her. He says he had all these feelings of being trapped, of panic, of frantic, help me, help me, help me. And then he says his mouth, his nose, his taste, his smell flooded with an intense flavor of blood. And this sensation was so alarming, so intense, so real, that he woke up out of sleep at whatever time it was, right, 2 a.m. or something, went straight to the bathroom to rinse out his mouth, to get the taste of blood out of his mouth, which was still real and still there, after waking up, he goes to the bathroom, starts rinsing his nose and his mouth, expecting to see red in the sink, but it's just water. There's no blood. And he says it took like a minute to calm down and fade out of his senses. And he was super confused. But he had this feeling of dread that maybe something was wrong with his aunt. But of course, not to call a relative at 3 a.m. saying, you know, hey, I just had a really disturbing dream about you. Are you okay? Right? That's not a typical, uh, you know, he didn't want to sound crazy by doing this. So he just kind of waited for the shock to wear and eventually went back to sleep. And the next morning, around breakfast, the phone rings. It's a long-distance call from where his aunt lives, his great aunt, and he knew immediately what it was, right? 
picks up the phone, and sure enough, it's a cousin of his letting him know great aunt so-and-so died last night in her sleep. They found her this morning. It's too late, right? She's gone. And well, there was a funeral and everything. And apparently this great aunt had been very sickly for a very long time, just suffering on and on and on with something like cancer or uh, some other kind of degenerative illness that made her suffer a lot and was very dependent on her husband. Um, and it had been just going on forever. She was very old and it was just a matter of waiting for this moment, right? This release, this death for the suffering to stop. And my father says because of that dream, he always had a, an inkling, a suspicion that actually what was happening that night was that her husband had suffocated her in her sleep, had stuck a pillow on her face and done a mercy killing. My father says that for those old timers of that generation, it wasn't unheard of to put your partner out of their misery if they're very old and suffering and it's just dragging on and on, um, a mercy killing, right? Gruesome, but a reality of their time. And he said because of that dream, the, the, the feeling of her being trapped, of frantically calling for help until blood filled his mouth, he always felt that he was feeling her panic as she woke up being smothered until finally she died, right? And maybe in her frantic reaching for help, she had reached out to him, among others, and he had received it, right? And well, her husband has long passed since then, so if it was a mercy killing, you know, so be it. It's passed. There's no one to be held accountable anymore or to confirm whether or not that was the case. But he says that in conversations later with other cousins, other relatives, um, there was a sort of mutual suspicion that arose without him mentioning it, that maybe that was the case, that maybe he had put her out of her misery in the night, and because she was an old, sickly woman that died, there was no investigation about whether she had really died from her illness or suffocation, right? But a uh, very intense example there of uh, connection between people happening in sleep, at least for my father's end. And that wouldn't be the only story I've ever heard of people in an intense moment of crisis being able to break through and reach loved ones. Um, you know, mothers knowing that their child has just died halfway across the globe, right? Or, um, or partners knowing when their loved one is in trouble, just having a sense that something is wrong and later being confirmed to be true there was something terribly wrong, right? We do seem to have this ability to reach out to each other. It just comes down to sensitivity. It comes down to the other person at the other end being receptive to that kind of messaging. And of course the person projecting, uh, projecting strongly enough and in the right way for that message to reach the other end. Ah. So definitely there, there seemed to be some kind of moment of communication between that great aunt and my father in this dark moment of panic, just before death. And well, sorry to continue this dark, sort of gruesome turn for this episode, but this next story is somewhere in the same line. I've got a cousin, a cousin who once shared with me 
a sort of a dark gift that he's had all his life. Very occasionally in his life, he said he's found himself in the same recurring dream. And this dream would be sitting at a table in some kind of empty white place where there's nothing but him and a chair and this table and white lights. And he says that over this table is spread a bunch of organs like an animal was cut open and their guts were just spilled all over the table. So there's a big pool of blood and he's sort of with his hands looking through the organs, feeling through the blood. And he says that when he has this dream, there's the sense of a presence behind him, speaking to him, telling him how to read these organs, this blood. And he says every time he's had this dream, there's also on the same table on the corner, the photo of a relative. And he'll notice it while this dream is happening. And when he'll wake up from this dream, always that day, the news will come that that relative has died. And he says it's happened four, five, six times in his life. And while he's in the dream, he never realizes that that's the premonition happening. But when he wakes up, he always knows, oh God, uncle so-and-so is dead. We're about to find out, you know? Or aunt so-and-so, grandma so-and-so has died. We're about to find out today. And sure enough, every single time he says, it's happened. So, there's another example of seeing the future or possibly receiving from spirit a message from the deceased loved one in a dream. But in either case, seeing the future, psychicness, interconnectivity, crossing of information happening in dreams. And well, I'm sorry to have ended on this sort of dark tone, fellow humans, but that pretty much completes the list of noteworthy stories I can share to do with this phenomena. And well, I suppose you can see why after this many experiences, both comparted to me by people I trust, and of course the ones I've had myself, I see that this is real. There is some kind of internet connecting all of us. And in this wishy-washy, mysterious, highly censored process called dreams, it seems we have access to all kinds of information about other people, about the future, and it's fascinating, right? There's not really much of a point here except to just share that as far as I'm concerned, this does happen. How it happens, how to make it happen, these are all questions I have yet to understand myself. But just the knowledge that it does happen is fascinating enough in my book. And consider this episode an attempt to share that fascination with you. And hey, I'm sure there's people out there who can add their own stories to this. And I'm sure there are people out there who very frequently have experiences like this, maybe feel like they're crazy. Well, here's my vote. You're not crazy. This does happen. This is a thing. It's just extremely mysterious and not at all understood by modern men. So fellow human, I'll leave you to ponder all of that for now.
That leaves me only to thank the Patreon supporters of this podcast. Of course, including Bro Dude Man, who once again this episode was dedicated to. I hope you enjoyed these stories of psychicness. And of course, thank you to all the other Patreon patrons that make this podcast continue to be possible. Especially the most generous of them all, Mr. X. Always thank you to you, sir, as well. Anybody else who'd like to help support this podcast, do please check out my Patreon for monthly donation of any amount you choose. You could find that little orange link at the very top of higherideas.net. And of course, while you're there, you can check out every other episode, including the one sort of related to this one, Psychedelics and Psychicness. I will link that episode below this one over there. And well, that does it for this one, fellow human. Until next time, keep dreaming and keep thinking.